Hey everyone, welcome back to the Leadership Locker. It's Rich Cardona, back for another week. And obviously, you know, one of the biggest mentors in my life is Gary Vaynerchuk of VaynerX and Empathy Wines and K-Swiss Shoes and the Cereal. I mean, I don't even know, like how many different things is he into? Vayner Sports, the eSports, I mean, all of it. So he's been instrumental in my life, but he's also like just unbelievably busy. So it's easy to surmise that his chief of staff, Tyler Schmidt, is almost just as busy. And that's why I had him on the show. I've met Tyler many times, you know, there at 10 Hudson Yards, and he's just a really low-key, collected, managing chaos type of person, and he does it happily. I thought it was really important to have him on as a chief of staff because whether you are going to be on the hiring side like I am or whether you are seeking out a position, it might be valuable to look into a role of this nature to determine that while it's not entirely the sexiest, especially if you're a transitioning service member when you hear some of the things Tyler's had to do, that's not what equates to actual fulfillment when it comes to, you know, potentially some of the duties or some of the pay to start off. Tyler goes on in this interview to talk about how he doesn't have an MBA, but he's gone in an MBA over the last six years, you know, working there directly for Gary and AJ. And why is that? The reason is, and it becomes very clear in this episode, that there's a lot of value outside of money. And this isn't an episode about where someone's talking about how much they make or don't make. It's an outlook that I think we could all learn from, and it is an outlook and it is a position of service. It is so crystal clear that Tyler is of service, that he believes in people, that he believes in opportunity, and that he believes in enabling people to be their best. So check this episode out. Awesome, awesome individual. And this has been a long time coming. We just could never get time. Why? Because he's probably insanely busy. His phone went off a thousand times during this interview. You probably hear it. I hope you enjoy this episode and it's sponsored by Rich Cardona Media. Okay, these episodes go up on LinkedIn, the clips go up on LinkedIn and Instagram, but I just want to remind everyone what Rich Cardona Media does, which is we film, edit, and distribute content for busy CEOs, established CEOs who, or companies who've just really been afraid to kind of just spend on marketing, to spend on business development. When you bring that shit in-house, when you add that on as a collateral duty to the existing personnel in your workforce who have no background and no day-to-day dealings with marketing or business development or content creation, it's a recipe for disaster. So we're here, we consult for LinkedIn all the time as well. And my amazing chief operating officer, Eliza and I definitely bring our best. We're a one-two punch that really helping businesses untangle, not just their social media or LinkedIn problems, but your hiring, your firing, your operations, your marketing, you know, whatever it is, we're available. All that being said, let's get into this episode with Tyler. Let me know what you think. All right, we are here uh, with Tyler Schmidt, who I've met many times. Uh, he's when's in Jersey. Time, yeah, when's the first time we've met? 
It's uh, God, man. 2018, I think. It, yeah. It's been two years since uh, I physically met Claude and the first time I was up there and I yep. sure she made an intro at some point. Yeah. But yeah, so so Tyler works for this dude. Um, and I, I, I think the last time I saw you and D-Rock, I'm like, which one of you is busier? And then, yeah. you know, I think I think I think you said you. And I agree because the one of the busiest guys on the planet is this guy named Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. And you are essentially his chief of staff and you've seen things kind of grow and grow and grow, which means your responsibilities and everything you have to keep track of grows and grows and grows as well. I wanted to ask you on because I think it's really important for transitioning service members or even people who are contemplating all those entrepreneurial tendencies to say like, Hey, is this actually what I want to do? This might be like the perfect thing because there's obviously a visionary and there's an integrator and uh, you are certainly an integrator piece of this puzzle and allow things to happen. So I wanted to talk about that, but first man, Please give us a little bit about your background mm-hmm. and then how you even landed this gig and, and what it's been like so far. Yeah, sounds good. This is uh this has been a long time coming. We've been looking to have this conversation. <laughs> I'm excited now. Finally, even though it's it, it, just today and all that's happening around the world and it, it makes sometimes the conversations you like kind of go in and out of where your head's at. And it's uh a lot's changing. A lot's changing and a lot's changing fast. And that's kind of, I, I would say, uh, we've been around Gary for the last seven years. It's always been about like things are changing faster than people and society and business are keeping up. And in that creates a lot of opportunity. And and then March happens and everything gets flipped on its head. Um, and I think there's more and more and more opportunity than ever for individuals. Uh, but yeah, I've, um, I started working at Vayner. I, uh, my first day was November 11th, 2013. That's so Veterans be, Day, yeah, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, 2013? Yep. Uh, hold, yep. Hold on. Tell me what it looked like then. So 23rd and Park, it was a Friday afternoon. I was supposed to start on Monday. I get an email from a, a Sam Taggart who had been at the company, one of AJ's good friends from college, one of the first, I think, 10, 15 people at the company. He's like, hey, we're having this thing called Vayner Day on Friday. Do you want to come in uh, and meet some people? I know you're supposed to start Monday. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I come in and essentially we, for the first half of the day, Vayner Day was a day that the whole company shut down and did things together, spent time. And the first half of the day was a breakout where we put broke out into teams, I believe, and all worked on uh, doing pro bono content for charities. And we all got assigned to for charities. And that was the first half of the day. And then the second half of the day brought in some beers. We did a talent show. <laughs> I think I was, I was employee number 270. Um, at the time there was a, the, I believe the San Francisco office had just opened. Um, so there were some people videoing in, but for the most part, everyone was, was there on 23rd and park, um, at 315 park house South. And, uh, and that first day I couldn't have imagined. I was like, I left I left so smiling ear to ear. I couldn't believe what I had stepped into. What did you apply for? What was the position? So I applied for uh, the position of a community manager, but I I graduated Penn State with a hotel restaurant management degree. And I left and when I graduated, took a job for a startup fast casual restaurant. And so from pretty much May, I took a little road trip. June, I get back. And from June to October, June, July, September, October, four months, I was working six days a week, 
like heavy, heavy days in restaurants. And I was miserable. I really was not a fan. Of this it. is so important, man. I'm, I interrupt. This is how I interviewed, by the way. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like you went, this is so important, man. Like I got an MBA and I can get crucified by my alumni friends because I mm -hmm. just like wish I never did it. Yeah. I could be so far, so much further along had I not mm -hmm. done it. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about, you went for something very specific An MBA. Yeah. It, was, it was kind of broad, right? Like yep. you went for something very specific. Mm -hmm. How did you feel when you're like, dude, I'm not feeling this. Um, yeah. what, what have I done? <laughs> it was, it was tough. Yeah. It was definitely tough. And I, look, I'm fortunate in terms of my upbringing and that it was easier to be able to do so. I graduated with $20,000 in debt. So that's not to say I didn't, wasn't sitting on debt. And, uh, but you know, I lived at home with my parents and I was commuting every day. And I just finally, it was like a Sunday at four o'clock and I was getting up to go work a shift till like midnight, 1am. And I just was like, this isn't what I want to do forever so why am i gonna do it right now um and i talked to my parents and it was definitely like yeah we just spent 150 grand on that degree that you have no interest in deploying anymore but i just you know for me it was like i, I have the most confidence and i say this now you know like if i just moved to the middle of nowhere and knew anyone knew no one i have confidence that i'm going to be able to do my thing Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like the weight of like, do you need this job right now? Or can you figure it out and, and keep building blocks to do the thing? Is that more important? So that was that decision. And, and I quit and I'd, I was like, I got a job in my aunt and uncle's liquor store doing hourly work and did that. And, and then I just started poking. And actually the person who gave me the job at the restaurant, his wife had worked in agency land connection, connection, connection. I had a coffee with a, a gentleman, uh, Mickey Cloud, who was yep. at VaynerMedia at the time yep. and still is and runs our Chattanooga office. Yep. We met at Gregory's Coffee and he's like, hey, yeah, we have a position. Um, and this was like my third different person to get to him. And he's like, we have an open position, apply for it. I applied and got the role. Um, and it was at the time, it was like a small little social media shop. It yep. wasn't like going into advertising, like, yep. you know, it was like, okay, here's this little boutique thing. And I walked in and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and I remember that those like first kind of six to eight months were just some of the best times, but as a, a youthful kind of kid going into his career, I was commuting into the city from New Jersey. And I remember I write, so I write every day. I've been doing it oh, for nice. 10, 11 years. And I used to kind of, where's that content? Then, challenge man? myself. I have all these different, <laughs> yeah, my journal right here. Where's your medium articles, man. I don't and, uh, see any. Nah, nah, just, I write, I write my own, my own <laughs> thoughts, my documentary. Um, and, uh, and I used to challenge myself, make yourself uncomfortable, make yourself uncomfortable every day, put yourself in an uncomfortable position, meet someone you don't know. Uh, and that led to me just meeting a lot of people at the company and the guy I worked for, uh, the worked with on the creative side, his roommate was a gentleman, Matt DeMeo, who was Gary's assistant at the time. Uh, and one connection led to another. All of a sudden I started playing basketball in the mornings with Gary and AJ. I was taking a 445 train from New Jersey once a week hooping with them. And then one day I went into a meeting with our engagement manager and they said, Hey, would you potentially be interested? We're looking at some candidates for a role for AJ's assistant. And I was like, cool. Yes. I want to do that badly because 
about the hospitality, I was a big fan of services and taking care of people. Sure. And, and that was inside of me. And so I was like, yeah. And then I went through the interview and at the end, I kind of told AJ, like I wasn't, I had started to become less happy with the day-to-day work that I was doing on the community management side. And you mentioned that in the interview? At the end I did. Um, I love that. I I just kind of put it out there that I I really, really want this. And thankfully I I got the position and that was in June of 2014. So I hadn't been there yet a year, started in June of 2014. And since then just kind of been of service to them, I would say, uh, Mm -hmm. is how I I think about it. Um, And have been fortunate to be along along the ride. You know, Gary and his Gary and AJ, his brother, are brilliant and very progressive. But I think they're the a lot of the the brilliance lies in just the ability to take risks and mm-hmm. have this dynamic of life and work and see it all in one and the same and see opportunities that are there and not being willing to say, oh yeah, I see it, but it's not safe, so I'm going to go here. Um, they kind of live every day like, yeah. That that is possible, actually. That really is. And then execute on it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take a wild guess here. The job description you got for the role as AJ's assistant, like how much of that was like, oh, yeah, I did that. Or, I, that's exactly yeah, I what mean, I did versus all the extra. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I, in a weird way, feel like I am in the same position I was the day I started for AJ. I just have that much more context and understanding of the world and the company and and the connections and people like you. And, you know, I've just seen it now for Mm -hmm. six years. So I just understand. And I, and I understand what we're trying to build from a mat, like macro, Mm -hmm. uh, whenever I think I carry, when I hear that word, but from a, what the actual ambition is, not just like make money. Um, So, but yeah, it was that job with AJ. I, I was in his email. I was, you know, doing reports for him, making sure scheduling all his meetings. But at the same time, I was getting him lunch and water every day mm-hmm. and, you know, greeting all the different people that came in and out for meetings, walking his dog, taking his car somewhere, like just making his life easier to be able to do his thing in exchange for one, my salary and my job. And then two, the ability to learn and the best, those guys, what I would say to anyone that's listening that either is looking to get into this type of role, but if you're someone that's looking to hire for this role, I think the number one thing that you need to think about is what's the intrinsic value of the person doing it outside of just the salary. There has to be education and learning in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that can be so, because to your point of an MBA, like, I feel like, I've gone through a six year MBA and haven't paid for it. Yes. You know, so that, that I think is a really important thing to be able to keep people driven through the process because in the same way of WME and how agencies set up, you know, how do you become a a movie agent, a movie star agent? Mm -hmm. You work for someone that is, and you get the connections and you understand how the game's done and da da da. And you just, eat shit for lack of better words while but it's enjoyable because you're with other people that are working hard you're learning you know like that's the thing of if you step back and think and it's all changing very rapidly right now going into the fall semester of college but apprenticeship used to be a very honorable thing yes now it's seen as uh how dare you have an apprentice you need to pay them more you know and so 
that that now has changed in the sense of college and go and spend 160 grand and then go get an MBA before you actually are doing it. This is just simulation. It's not real world learn like actual application, you know, and, and even, you know, then we can talk about what is success. And in this country, a lot of times, at least on the coasts, I believe it's defined as how much money you make, yeah. not of what you provide for the community or how, how much you enjoy your daily lifestyle. Um, because you can go all around this world and there's a lot of happy bakers, you know, and, and they have people that work for them that they're teaching a craft that'll be trans, you know, handed down and they're making a good, you know, living wage for their family and living in a nice house and having a good community and all that. And that I think has been, again, at least on the coasts, I believe the mindset is different. It's very like, go, go, go. Now, is that a bad thing? And I'm going on a tangent here a little bit, but I don't, it doesn't need to be mm-hmm. per se, but it doesn't need to be the only thing. Because yeah. also my mother's Danish and there's a reason why such great innovation has come because from the, this country, because, and New York and you go in and everyone's working and everyone's pushing and everyone wants each other to be better and boom, 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 boom. But at the same time, it doesn't need to be the only thing. And so that's, I go back. I just, I truly believe that so much, there's been such a value exchange with Gary and AJ of teaching me a lot. Back then, you may or may not have known that things were going to get crazy to where they are now in terms of scaling and, and the size of Vayner and all the spinoffs and everything like that. Yep. It's really important for me to make sure I cover the fact that the things that you're saying may sound, and this is more important for me to, to say as, as well, to someone who's served and done something bigger than themselves and, and all these crazy things and deployed and all these, and all these things that, Hey, that that's kind of, uh, I'm not walking anyone's dog, you know, but you don't look at it that way. Um, no. and you say the value exchange is there. You never maybe could have predicted things would get this big. Um, but what would you say to someone who is maybe not as risk averse as I kind of just mentioned? And they're just like, okay, I'm going to go help this business owner. How would you frame it for them to really position themselves and put themselves in a mindset to receive, mm-hmm. you know, look at it as like, what am I receiving versus what, what I'm actually doing? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I think it's not lost on me that it's easier for me to say for them than I guess most in the sense of, I, you know, was able to move home. I, I'm living here under my parents' roof where I grew up, but if you can, if you can, I try to identify value in what you're doing outside of money. That is, I think the number one thing. I think a lot of people probably just because it was my experience. I remember senior year of high school, it was like the first year, like, okay, where are you going to go to college? And then that's like the badge. Oh, you go here, you go here. You're inherently better than me. And then it's like, how much are you going to make the day you graduate? And and that becomes the barometer for a lot of things. You know, I am now 20, I graduated in May, 2013. So it'll be seven years. It's over seven years. feels like not that long. The amount of like changes and roles and, you know, if you can look ahead of like this, what I'm doing now isn't about the money I'm making now. It's about building the foundational blocks for whenever. And then when you really get into it, the whenever never comes. If you're just always saying I'm building the foundation for 
long term, that I believe is how you can then start to say, okay, let me actually clock in and take this serious and get better. Yeah. Not just get through it. One thing yeah. that I've been thinking a lot about, it's really hard because if you go through college, K through 16, for those years, if you if you say that's your career, right, growing up, getting a D gets you a promotion, <laughs> yeah. right? So then when you go into year 17 or year 18 or year 19, it's like, and, and then in a lot of companies, and that's why you have a lot of people leave, go, come and go, is that after one year... I've been trained that, you know, summer's over. Why am I not moving up a level from junior associate to associate, from associate to senior associate? Why have I not got a 10% increase? And I think you can start to just get caught in that. And then you don't care or think about the, the actual building blocks. It's just about getting to the next thing, getting to pass the test, pass the test, pass the test. So how would you recommend for people to have that patience? And, and I mean, the theme of this so it's far is really hard. Yeah. I mean, the theme right now I got is, is looking for the value outside of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just takes a particular mindset and yes. Okay. Like you may have had, you know, some, some uh, advantages, so to speak, or whatever, like, look, I have a business, but I also have passive income because I served and I retired and I have a retirement and I have a disability. Yeah. So I never recommend for people to just go out and do whatever. And by the way, I moved in with my in-laws after I quit Amazon. Cause I'm like, let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's when I was just starting to follow Gary. And I was like inadvertently taking advice that he puts out there on a regular. So there's advantages and there's also sacrifices, but how would you tell people to develop that patience if they're used to exactly what you're saying, which is I get promoted with the D and then it's like, all right, I'm going to this company. It's like, yeah. why am I not it's moving really, up? I'm doing exactly what they said. Really, It's, it's probably the, the most difficult thing um, because you get caught up in, you know, judging yourself against your peers or wanting to win every conversation, like everyone. So if you get into a little squabble with business, it's like, no, I have to win this. This person has to know that I am smarter than them or I'm better than them. or that. And over time, that becomes very tiring. And, and I, I think what I'm trying to say about the patience is like inside of you, you have to realize that you're, you're able to get yours without having to win every single thing. And so sometimes you just need to take the L, eat the L, be the bigger person, let the other person win over and over and over again, because you're still acquiring a lot while gathering contacts and network. And if you're always fighting, I have to win this situation, I have to win this situation versus just move on to the next, I'm going to get 48% of that situation versus get 52 and have no long-term gain from it. Because then they're like, I didn't like dealing with that guy. It's mm-hmm. like it's like your business. You know, you mm-hmm. got to give up sometimes a little bit. Oh, give yeah. them a little bit more. Give them something up front, and then three years later, when they because that's how it actually works. And the, <laughs> oh, you know that guy? Oh yeah, I know that guy. He was great to work with. Yeah, he was a dick. He like had to negotiate over four thousand dollars, and it was like this whole thing. And then his actual the product that he delivered was like, I feel like I could have got it from someone else and not dealt with the headache. Meanwhile, you're like, I made $4,000 because you're early. So you're like, I need the money. I need the money. I got it. Versus being like, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to do everything I cost for the first two years. So I over deliver for everyone. And that's, I think a lot of the same way in terms of if you're going and working at an 
organization yeah. is everyone if you you know the new class of people or you go in and you're like I, everyone needs to know how good i am versus just being like how good can i be at making everyone else better that's the people that you're going to want to be with but it's counterintuitive to getting the raise yeah let me ask you this man so small business owner or someone who's got a company that's scaling uh, tell me the importance of your role uh meaning like you're critical. I mean, like legit critical. I've seen you in action. I've, I watched you as I waited once handle, it looked like 50 different things in three minutes. And I was like, God damn. Um, it's a critical role. So talk to me about why it's so important, uh, for an entrepreneur to be able to have, um, this kind of position or someone like Tyler, like you to help them put out some of these fires and, and just kind of yeah. be the first line of defense. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, a couple different things about like the role or the position, uh, that I want to like ground in. So I love the show, the crown. I like mm-hmm. like British culture. Um, and, in that, you know, like the King's box or the Queen's box, you know, every morning they wake up and like they have the team that puts the most important information in front of them. And then they have to make decisions. And then, you know, everyone has the the role or the job in getting them to be able to make the decision. And if, and if people aren't doing that, then it, it makes it tough for them. Are they supposed to do everything to be able to make the decision? So it's always been a thing. Same deal within politics. There's the chief of staff, the person that pretty much is able to touch base with everyone, tap into all the nodes, understand the decision maker, how they like to digest their information to be able to make their decision, tap into the nodes, digest the data, feed the data. There's also been, I would say, in tech now, a massive rise and like everyone kind of has or this chief of staff role has become a big thing reason being i believe and there's been some like counter pushes to that of like oh why does everyone need like a a guy or like a gal to like do their work for them and i just i think the theme of everything right now is the phone and there's so much more information i was away last week i spent uh five days up on my uncle's farm up in the thousand islands and it was an older crew i mean like everyone that i'd spent time with for a week was 60 plus and i was like and I've talked to my dad about it, you know, Wall Street, the heyday of Wall Street, mid nineties, Wall Street. If you left the office at four o'clock on a Friday, you were tapped out till Monday and you were back. I mean, people couldn't reach you. Like maybe they'd leave a voicemail, but it was like, I'm out jacket over the shoulder, like nothing. Now it's, if you're running a successful business in this country, 24 seven hot tapped in. Right. And, and then that's where you're developing the mental health, the boundaries like that. We're not even having even begun. What is a weekend, a structure for schooling, I guess, but for work, it again, doesn't make, again, the markets on the fine, like the financial stuff, that stuff set up that way. But in our world, in agency world or tech or game developing or any of that, like the data is always going. Everything's changing. If you think about Fortnite, the newest video game or newest form of entertainment is updated every day. So like now, when are you going to start talking about what is Monday to Friday? So that's, I think about the position. Why is it so critical? The reason I'm going there is because the information has exploded. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying to be a a high growth business and if, if, yeah, if you're in growth mode, 
it's very much always on. And, and you're always in growth mode. Yeah. And there's, always, <laughs> and you're always in growth mode or you're not in growth mode. And I don't think that's where you want to be at in any aspect of your life. Yeah. Um, and even, even relaxation or chilling can be growth mode. But I think that, uh, you know, this, I think the iPhone is now 14, 13 years old and it's putting information and communication at everyone's fingertips 24 seven. Talk to me about understanding the decision maker. Like how did you develop the skill into kind of pooling um, all, especially, you know, we just talked about it. everyone. It's all about accessibility, right? Like people mm-hmm. want accessibility to you. People want accessibility to him. People want, ex- that's, that's what it all is. I mean, and then look, if you just look at social media and all the other big names out there, it's like, join my mastermind group, subscribe to this. Here's my course. And it's endless. I was just talking to my COO. I'm like, Gary doesn't have any of that shit. It's funny. Cause we watched a clip of, he's like, I don't put stuff out so people could be at the top of my fucking funnel. He's like, yeah. I do it to give them value. And she's like, that's gold. I'm like, I know, you know, we're laughing, but, <laughs> but it's all about accessibility. You have to keep control of the accessibility yeah. internally and externally. So what are some of the practices that you use to help kind of deconflict that? So you could be like, he needs to do his thing. Yep. So I'll say that t- today and in the last year, uh, maybe eight months, I've very much stepped out of that space now. Lou and Alex and Max Freed, he's got three now assistants that are like pretty much controlling the flow in and out, right? But the, the again, it just goes back to... Um, understanding your role of an organization. I was thinking about it the other night and that I'm going to go on this tangent. And then yeah. I, it's funny because I just, it just came into my head as I, like, as I talk. Uh, my sister's like, you know, sometimes when you do podcasts or interviews, people ask you a question and then you don't answer the question. And you go <laughs> elsewhere. But I was going to, what I was saying is I was thinking the other night, I was like, okay, if what if, if imagine playing with LeBron, imagine being Kyle Kuzma and playing with LeBron. Kyle Kuzma is a top 100 basketball player in the world. And in a big game, it's like he plays a very specific role. And he knows that, you know, because I was like, huh, I wonder what it's like to be Kyle Kuzma and be like, I want to I want to go to the lane every time. I want to handle the rock. I want to shoot. Because for his whole life, he was probably able to do that and dominate. But then you got to be take your humble pie or not humble pie and be like, no, I'm the, the role guy. I'm the third man. This is what I do all to make hit LeBron better because if LeBron's at his best, we're all at our best. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I think about that act in terms of the role is just to make him the best that he can be. Right. Like there's a reason why there's only so many Gates, Bezos, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. Musk, but you know, Rogan, right? Like Jamie, the producer, Rogan, flip them and see what happens. Now it's very hard. A lot of people want, if they're in Jamie's seat, want to be Joe versus just being the best Jamie so that Joe's the best so that Jamie gets the best look anyway, because now he's the produce, he's the biggest, you know, podcast producer in the world. But if his whole, if he was all like, I need to be Joe, then the whole show kind of doesn't work. So that's what, what, uh, in terms of why that's so important. Um, and why then if you think about Jamie been with Joe for forever, so now has the context knows how he likes to roll. And again, building blocks always keep for the future, keep for the future. Yeah. I don't think every year he's like, all right, Joe, 
And now I need to be senior podcast producer. You got to give me a 10% raise. And then next year, podcast director. So the culture obviously is a big deal. Um, Very, very big deal uh, where you are. Uh, I've seen it. I've obviously talked to Claude about it a million times. And I've, I've certainly tried and institute. Let's say the culture wasn't what it is. And let's say that's because it didn't start at the top. Like, I think there's no way we could disagree here that like you hit the lottery, right? Like this, Mm -hmm. this person is on a different planet in terms of empathy and, you know, understanding Mm -hmm. people and, and all this other stuff. If you don't have that ideal situation like you, what would your advice be for someone like me who's like, look, I am willing to go into this chief of staff sort of role. I have leadership experience. I have tangible skills. I could put out fires, but she or he is a complete fucking dick. How would you have been in a situation that's a little bit opposite leadership wise? How would you have dealt with it? Know what you're looking to get out of it. First off, meaning... If the person is a bigger ass than the value that you're getting in terms of the education, don't deal with it. But if you feel you're getting 10 on the education scale and can deal with a three ass for now, (laughs) then you got seven Delta. If it's five education, five ass, it's like you got to know those decisions. So there is, again, value exchange. And at the end of the day, what can you get out of it? You don't want to be a pig, but at the same time, if this person is an ass, you don't want to deal with it. Great. Leave. But if you feel that they're an ass, but they're also giving you great education, where's your balance? Right. And then you got to be ready to leave because quitting a job is also seen very down on in society, meaning you quit and don't have another job lined up. Oh, but if you leave and have another job, it's great. So those things are tough. And then the other thing I would just say is it's out there. The, The right situation is out there. Find it. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because if you, you know, all of a sudden your three rolls on, but I know so many people, you know, how many people I've gotten to meet over the last seven years that have gone through role after role after role and just hasn't been the right fit. And the energy wasn't right. And for some reason they just weren't viewed for the skill that they actually possess. And then it happens and they find it and boom, everything changes like everything. So it's out there. But that is also very difficult. Yeah. My dad brings up a statistic a lot. Again, we were talking last night, Hurricane uh, Laura's coming through that area. And I'm like, man, it is fascinating to think that people just live there after all this time, after all the knowledge, after everything. Now, climate change is real, I believe, all that. But still, you're living in an area that is incredibly high danger. And my dad brings up a lot again. Like the, the stat, and I don't want to even throw out a number because I could be wrong, but the stat is overwhelmingly large of like how many people pass away within like 10 or 15 miles of where they were born. So to the point of like, you can find it also is very difficult because there's a lot of things that cease you from even growing up in New Jersey and living in Pennsylvania or Ohio or Colorado or New Mexico or Nevada or California for that matter, let alone London or Singapore or Australia. Let me uh, have a couple more and then, and we'll wrap, man. I know, I know you're busy mistakes. Tell me some Uh, critical uh, mistakes uh, that you've made. I think in my content 
And when I talk to people like, dude, success is success. Like everyone loves to put it out there, but tell me some of the things that hit you and you're, I mean, and you learned a lot from, because mm-hmm. you either win or you learn, you don't have to lose. You yeah. Learn or you learn, right. So yeah. tell me some things that you've. It's uh, largely been with people. It's meaning it's been with one Gary's time, you know, when you're just dealing with a lot, meaning scheduling, you know, if he's got, you know, you could go through a week where there's a hundred meetings and each one of them is equally as important and you got to view each one as a top priority because someone might be flying to spend 15 minutes, right? This was pre-March that these things were really happening. And then, you know, I've made mistakes where someone's flown a long way and like Gary's been out of town, like <laughs> this stuff has happened, you know? And so that is like really hard because you're dealing with humans and you're like, yo, I just messed up badly. Yeah and impacted you. But each time I, you know, got, look, I've cried to Gary many times of like the pressure of the whole situation and everything. And it's like, one, you can't be perfect. So stop being arrogant about that. Two, my mindset always was, it is a blessing. And how lucky am I to be able to mess something up of, of that even matters that even has magnitude. Most people can, can go through a long periods of their lives where they mess things up. And the only person they're messing up with them is themselves. Then they build a bad relationship with themselves. But I always to reframe, like, because yeah, you can go 20, you can really mess something up in 24 hours. Your game is off, yep. you know? And I always would try to get back by saying, man, how lucky am I that I had that opportunity? Like, so you do not want that opportunity anymore. Would you rather not have the chance to fuck that up? Cause if you don't, then you don't have to do that. So that's how I would always kind of frame, <laughs> frame that up. I love that, man. What about, um, what are some of the probably deepest things that you've learned maybe, uh, about just the world, uh, itself, you know, that, that kind of ecosystem that you're in, or just like looking up at, at some of the leaders around you, uh, what are some of the things that you've learned that, you know, are going to carry you a long way in addition to like your extraordinary patience. And I mean, you're just a collected dude to begin with, but what are some of the things that stick out to you? That it's just business sometimes you know, and that there are more important things, relationships and your health and your happiness. And there's going to be failures and there's going to be stress and there's going to be tough times and all that. And it's going to happen. And like that, you got to sometimes be able to step back and just smile about things because you're going to be able to wake up again. Now things get catastrophic, but it's, uh, uh, who was it? I think two chains. There's a song. It's like, if you woke up this morning, you're winning. <laughs> yeah. And then the rest is the rest is tables. Like the rest is just, yeah. House money. And <laughs> and I think that's a lot of what I've learned, which is again, tough. And sometimes when you say that you feel privileged because there are real stresses mm-hmm. and real hardship that are happening. And it's just, again, in this world, like speaking as a white male, like mm-hmm. it's, easy for you to say i get it um but the the thing that i've taken from gary is like if you're if you're waking up you're alive so then the rest is like let's have some fun let's approach this in a good way let's approach this in a fun way yes times can be stressful but the ultimate bad day is worse than this one Uh, dude i love getting personal on a podcast from time to time 
I got back. I told you I was flying yesterday. I got back. My wife and my daughter were supposed to meet me at the airport mm-hmm. and I land. I'm like here. My wife's like, we're stuck in a drive through. And I was fucking pissed. I was like, I, I've been waiting to see Allie. She's almost four. You know, she's really starting to miss me when I go on trips now. So I know our yeah. relationship's real good. Yeah. I'm I still heated until 30 seconds ago. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, dude, yeah. like, yeah. and I know my wife, she's not here right now, but she's stressed about that. Yeah. She knows I'm unhappy that I was like, dude, it's just, I just asked you to meet me at the airport. Yeah. Like we talked about it for like a day and a half prior. Yep. So that's crazy, man. Uh, yeah. Here's the last question. This is really important, man. So let's hash this out, which has with as much as uh, time you could to give is what are the musts? And I don't mean people like that have to be like you, but what are the musts if someone is really looking for someone who can free them up, like you said, to be the LeBron on the court, to be the Gary who's in all the meetings and, and really trying to move shit forward. What are some of the musts of a chief of staff or a young person who's aspiring to kind of garner all that and control some of it to enable them in a, in a positive way that what are some of the qualities that are absolute musts of that individual that is going to be in that position? Persistence, yeah. persistence, mm-hmm. persistence, consistency, mm-hmm. um, but persistence mm-hmm. because it, it's not easy. It's not easy. Service is not easy. You know that service is not easy. Being a waiter in a restaurant is not easy because if the, if the customer thinks you're wrong, guess what? You're wrong. (laughs) And you're not in control of that situation a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And so it's persistence, I think, because it's okay. Right back to the batter's box, right back to the batter's box, right back to the batter's box. And consistency, meaning you're going to be there, you're going to show up, you're going to be there, you're going to show up, you're going to be there, you're going to show up. And then not making it about yourself. Like that's the waiter thing, right? You can be a great waiter or waitress or hostess or bartender. If you make the experience that you're providing, not about the you providing the experience, you make it about the experience. Someone comes into a bar, they, they, most times they don't even realize how good the bartender was or until they leave. Cause it's just so seamless. And then they bounce. And the next day they're like, yo, let's go back there. That person was a good time. <laughs> but when they come and drop off the drink, you don't want to be like, Oh, like you're the best. You want it to be nice and smooth. It's almost like you're not even there a little bit, yeah. but then you're remembered. So yeah. you make it not about, you in this situation make it about improving the situation and by Mm -hmm. proxy it will be you will get that energy and this is for real the last one i swear when you said you handed off uh you're not doing a lot of the data and i've obviously noticed that on on insta and i'm like okay cool like tyler's kind of doing his own not his own thing but doing other stuff alex uh i think you said max and someone else like Mm -hmm. how do you even remotely remotely say this is unpredictable, crazy ass shit. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Just, just go with, how do you even convey that to them where, where, you know, within a week, maybe that first day they're going to be like, Oh my God, what have I done? Yeah. Through being a, a lifeline, I think yeah. a calming presence. I think everyone needs someone to be able to reach out to for, to bounce stuff off or thought or being able to just have that combo. Pick up yeah. the phone and be like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. is. Like what you're thinking is not at all base, but that doesn't remove the tasks at hand. Yes. And I would say, okay. And this is what I would say to myself a lot. 
okay, but someone else is going to be willing to do it. So great. Because to the way that you framed it up to me a little bit is like, what makes me think of like, this, this is ridiculous. Like why this isn't fair or this doesn't make sense or how da, da, da. And I'm like, someone else will do it. And yeah. you probably saw that in terms of service, right? <laughs> yeah. like, there's enough people that will do it. Yes. And do it probably even better. So if you're sitting in the opportunity to do it, don't make it woe is me because someone else won't make it that. And if, then if you're the employer, it's not my job to make sure that you want to do this. Again, back to the GM thing. It's like, great, Kyle Kuzma, if you want to be the number one guy, you can do that. But I need a number three guy. It's not my job to make sure you want to do this. That's ridiculous. I can't wait to say that to my next hire. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you want to? Let's rock. Like, come on. (laughs) I'm with that. All right. So where can people find you on social? Instagram, at Tyler, is what I would say. And then Twitter is Schmidt 5 T-Y-S-C-H-M-I-T-T-5. Hit me up on IG. DM. All right, man. Dude, thank you so much. This is a blast. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. All the best. All right, everyone, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it. And look, I'm going to broken record this thing forever. And that is, if you review and rate this podcast, that is what enables others to enjoy it. Uh, We've been on a tear. Every month gets better and better. And after a really, really amazing conversation in California with my friend Kelsey Murphy, who has the Whiskey and Work podcast, she and I talked about how downloads do not define your podcast. And it was really interesting for me to hear because I've been looking at downloads as as kind of a, of the barometer for success and and whether uh, you know I'm, I'm reaching the right people. But in reality, the emails and the messages I get of, of how we've helped, how this has helped or how it's led you to LinkedIn or led you to our business is also a byproduct of that. So if anything, it's not about the numbers. It's about making sure I'm able to get around to the people that I know I can help because that means everything to me. So if you enjoyed it, if you got anything from it, please recommend it, rate it or review it. Um, I'm trying to step up Spotify. So if you're on Spotify or listen on Spotify, definitely do it there. Apple's great, but Spotify is trying to do something special. Just look at uh, Michelle Obama's podcast, the Spotify original new territory here. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. If you need anything, please feel free to DM Eliza or I on LinkedIn or on Instagram. And you could also email us rich at richcardonamedia.com or Eliza at richcardonamedia.com. And we will see you next week. Peace.